this is the last part of our four-part series, Colossal. We're looking at the book of Colossians. Really just looking at legacy, looking at a lasting impression, looking at the gospel and how that is our lasting impression. First week, Andy's father shared about um, worshipping Christ rather than anything else, how irrespective of how majestic or how great they may seem. Um, he highlighted that in Colossae they, they were starting to be swept away by the worship of angels. And even that pales in comparison to worship of Christ. Second week, Andy spoke about um, the mystery, the mystery that is held in Christ. So we can never move away from that mystery, the mystery of salvation being found in Christ and in Christ alone. We can never move away from it. Last week, Jamelia shared about being clothed in Christ, taking off the old man and putting on the new man. And this week, we're going to look at Colossians 4. And there's two parts I really want to look at. But I'll focus the primary part I'm going to look at is towards the end. And depending on how much time I have, I'll see if I can look at the first part. But the primary part I wanted to look at was Colossians 4, verse 17. Where Paul says in the Salutations, And say to Archippus, take heed of the ministry which have you, you, you have received from the Lord, that you may fulfill it. And it is a case of, in the world and society that we live in now, everyone that is found in Christ, that the Great Commission extends to all of us to go out and make disciples of the world. And it isn't in a sense of, the way one person will make disciples isn't necessarily the same way that another person will make disciples. It's all factored in and mingled in with the way that we live. So the people that we interact with and the way the, our hobbies and our likes and dislikes all factor into how we make disciples. So, for instance, a music artist will make disciples through his, his music um, um, talents and stuff, in as much as it can incorporate other things as well. But it will very much be based around his joys, his, his hobbies and what he finds himself doing for the most part of it, most parts of the time. Um, Paul tells Archippus to take heed of the ministry which has been given to him in the Lord that he may fulfill it. And it's a reminder for us that all of us have something to do. It's not, Christians won't necessarily find themselves in a position where everyone's going to be famous or everyone's going to be well known or everyone's going to be in the spotlight with a million eyes gazed at them. But at the same time, we, are, we ought to live a life that screams of one beyond us. The word ministry simply boils down to service. So it's a case of in every single one of our lives, we are to be serving. We are called to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And we are meant to be shining forth and being that salt in the earth. Uh, yeah, being that sort of earth, we are called to be, as Christ said, I didn't, he didn't come that he may be served, but that he may serve others, and he left that with us. And it's a case of we are to serve. And that is fundamentally what ministry boils down to, service. If we, as I said, not everyone's going to be famous, so not everyone's service is going to be recognised. But even though your service isn't recognised, doesn't mean that you shouldn't still serve to the capacity that you've been called to serve. And it's, some people may be called to serve a thousand people, as hard as that may seem. Some people may be called to serve a hundred. 
And some person might be called to serve only one person. And it's not looking to another person's service and comparing your service to that person, but knowing that it is all your service, however many people you're serving, it is all to the glory of God. And that is the greater greater purpose of, of our service. And it's there's like different categories that Paul has laid out in terms of um, ministry. Since the word used in uh, Colossians 4 was ministry, similar word in Ephesians 4, 11 was used as well. And I'll read from 11, it reads, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And here he's highlighted five different categories, so to speak, of ministry, which is the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Apostles simply means the sent out ones. So... If you look at the lives of the apostles, they were traveling from place to place, um, establishing churches, edifying people, and then they'll move on. To, as soon as that's been established, they move on to a different place. Um, prophets were, in the Old Testament, were the ones that heard from God and then relayed it to the people. So in the Old Testament, the prophets usually spoke a word of either blessing or cursing to the people. Either they've walked astray and a word of rebuke to actually turn back onto the, um, the path that God wants them on, or they have been walking on the path and God's promising to bless them. In the New Testament, it takes a slightly different turn with the word of a prophet being more for encouragement and edification. Now, that could look like a rebuke or it could look like appraising, but it's slightly different. It's not judgmental as though God's going to come finish off your land or something like that, but it's more this is what God wants you to be doing. So it's more direction and encouragement. Um, we see um, evangelists. Evangelists have the special net of sharing the gospel with different people. They tend to find themselves in different environments and different places where they get to speak to people and the people they speak to more readily receive the gospel. Then we've got pastors who have been called to, to spend time feeding the sheep, so to speak, feeding uh, other Christians, to spend their time diligently in the word, pouring over the word and then relaying it to other Christians to actually care, about, care for other Christians and care about their well-being. And then we've got teachers. Teachers expand and explain on the word and grant greater insight and understanding. And all of this is a working of the Holy Spirit in a person's heart in the sense of, it's the Holy Spirit that stirs us up for all the good works that we do. It's the Holy Spirit that enables us to do the good work. It's the Holy Spirit that um, blesses the fruits of our lips, blesses the fruits of our services and stuff. And the Bible says one plants another waters, but only God gives the increase. So it is a case of, there are different ministries, but it's the Holy Spirit working through each individual to get that ministry done. Now, when these ministries are mentioned, we tend to have a Old Testament type of view of it, in the sense of 
um, an evangelist must look like John the Baptist, wearing sheep clothing, camel hairs, leather belt, eating locusts. But in reality, he doesn't quite look like that. It looked like that in his time. But in our time, it might look slightly different. It might look like the person who's sitting in Starbucks on his MacBook, just graphic designing. And then someone comes beside him. And then he just feels he's, he's doing something on the, on the screen and it's got like something to do with church or something to do with Jesus or something to do with the gospel. And then someone just leans over and sees it and that sparks a conversation, which leads to him sharing the gospel message with him. And it's a case of, it isn't confined to a specific feel or look. It can be, it is incorporated into our day to day. You could be on a train and then you see someone looking like they're hungry and then you give them a sandwich and then they ask, why did you do this? Or they start telling you about their day and then that could lead into even a prophecy. God gives you a word for them and it's like, even though you're going through this, please be aware that God hasn't forgotten you or God isn't aware of it, but God really wants to work in your situation. And in teaching, you could be walking with an evangelist and evangelist starts speaking to someone about the gospel. And the, um, the person doesn't quite grasp the concept or doesn't quite grasp, um, doesn't have an understanding about something within the Bible. And then right there on the street, the teacher will start expanding on the truths in the gospel, truths in the Bible. So it's something that isn't confined to rooms or regulations or, or a specific look. It happens in our day-to-day. -day. <coughs> it can happen as you're wearing a suit. It can happen as you're going out, tracksuit bottoms, going on a jog. And it's all in the prompting and leadership of the Holy Spirit. Um, yesterday, I went out with a group of guys to cry and to go um, evangelize around the streets. I didn't even mean to share this. But um, I, was standing, I was standing there and there was a woman just standing beside the corner. Just standing there, just saying hi to people walking past. And I literally felt God telling me, go speak to that woman. She needs money. You have no money. I didn't take my wallet with me. You have no money, but she needs me more than she needs the money. And God reminded me of the scripture in Acts when Paul and Peter was walking towards the synagogue after Christ resurrected and after they had received the Holy Spirit. He was walking towards the synagogue and there was a man who was disabled and then the man was asking for arms. He was asking for money and then Paul, uh, Peter said to the guy, it's money I have none but what I do have is Jesus Christ and he told the man to stand up. The guy was disabled and the guy did stand up, he was healed. So God reminded me of that and I went over and I spoke to her. So I was asking her like what's she doing, uh, I gave her the tracks and then she asked me questions about it. Uh, spoke to her again. I spoke to her about it. Then start, she started telling me about about her day, and she was just like, "Yeah, she has no electricity in her house. She doesn't get her benefits for two weeks, so she's going to be living in darkness for two weeks." Um, so I was like, "How comes you're out?" And she said, "Yeah, I'm I'm just walking around until I get tired, and I'm just going to go home and sleep." And that is the reality of her situation. And it's a case of I prayed for her. And I just saw her face light up knowing that God is in her situation. God hasn't neglected her. God hasn't forgotten her. Even though it's, the times are hard, 
God still has his, his eye on her. And the thing that took my breath away was that she turned around and prayed for me. She turned around and prayed for me. Even in, in her situation, she prayed for me. So it's the case. So, and after that, she, she had a smile on her face and then she went home. So I don't know what her situation is at home. But after I've spoken to her and after I prayed for her, she felt as though I can now go home. And that is an example of prophecy in, in, in action. I'm just out and then God just leads me to speak to someone and he gave, he showed me specifically what she was going through. Even though it said that you can't physically help her, this is what I want you to give to her. And that made the world a difference. And this is, it's, so in terms of ministry, I kind of want to challenge everyone to not just look at it in the sense of it has to be in this place or it has to be within the church halls or it has to be um, within a safe environment or it, it doesn't. It takes over your whole life and it, it puts you in a position where listening to the Holy Spirit, any moment could be a moment of service. Like for instance, a couple of weeks back, there was a woman walking past here. She fell down and I just saw Marvin shoot up helped her get onto her feet and that right there service and it isn't necessarily he could have easily been like no I'm on door duty so I can't go do that but that in itself is service and that is what ministry boils down to um, when we look at Romans 12 I hope I'm right 12 around 8 12 8 from 6 Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives liberally with um, liberality. Wow. He who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. This speaks about Whatever you might do, do it in faith that it is pleasing to God. So from the least of what you might do, from picking up that old woman when she fell, do it in faith that even this is service unto God, even this is pleasing to God. And it's whatever, however our ministry or our service might look like, it is still pleasing to God because it is still the Holy Spirit working through that, that service not just to edify us, but to edify the body, and not just the body, but to edify the world, because we are the salt of the world and the light of the world. So we are to shine forth, and by our good works, that God the Father may be glorified. And it's, it's the Holy Spirit that is working through all of us for the service. There's many different services, but it's the Holy Spirit that works through them all. Um, so that's like the main part of what I wanted to share, but the second part of what I wanted to share as well is back to Colossians, and it's 2 to 6. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God will open a door for us, uh, for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you will know how you ought to answer each other. 
Firstly, he pray, um, Paul writes that we should continue earnestly in prayer, be vigilant with it in thanksgiving. And it's a case of if we do, which we should seek to serve, it will never be off our own back. It will never be off our own, in our own strength. It will never be in our own accord. God will definitely get you to do stuff that will feel uncomfortable. It will take you out of your comfort zone. It will put you in positions of being awkward. It's no one would like to randomly spark a conversation with a colleague at work about Jesus because that isn't the norm right now. And it could put you into an awkward position. But it's a case of if that's where God's leading, you definitely need him to be able to do that. And it is by grace that we, we have the job in the first place. It is by grace that we live. And we are to be speaking to others graciously. And it's prayer is an essential part of the Christian life. And it's an it's essential part of everything that we do. It acknowledges that we can't do anything without God. It acknowledges that we need him for every step. It acknowledges that we see him as greater than anything that we can ever achieve, anything we can ever desire. We see him as, in as much as we will never fully comprehend that, in the sense that he is, he is God, and everything that we do have is by grace. The fact that we're still alive is definitely by grace. He keeps and sustains us. He keeps our heart beating a sunshine right now, it's definitely grace. And it's nothing that we have earned, it's nothing that we can work for. We can't work for the air that we breathe. We can't work for, can't work for much. Even the pay that we have, we are subject to our bosses. We are subject to the hourly wage or whatever that they've put in place. And even that was by grace. God's put us into a job for a reason. And it, um, following on from there, meanwhile praying for us also that God will open a door for us. Um, for the word to speak the mysteries of Christ for which I am also in chains it is in the case of an evangelist um, the Bible tells us that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who do not see the gospel and to go out and to present someone with the gospel is to be engaging in to a degree a battle because you're presenting God to someone who doesn't want God. So there is that spiritual, there, there is a spiritual battle because we're dead in sin. But when you receive the gospel, you become alive in Christ and that is a spiritual transition. So for all those who actually go out, missionaries, guys who go out evangelizing and stuff like that, not only do they need to pray themselves, they also need the prayers of those around them to be able to go out and do what they do effectively and efficiently. Because as they go out, we are human beings. If, if, if it's a group of guys going out, they will be susceptible to different sins. They will be susceptible to probably lust. Probably they'll see something on the streets and if someone's susceptible to... To, uh, thieving he might want to take it so not only are they going out to try to go share the gospel they still have to guard themselves so it's a, it's, it's a two way warfare you're warring against the enemy out in the world and you're warring against the enemy within you yourself 
you're trying to die to self by the same time present life to somebody else and it's it's hard it can get hard and it Paul encourages us to pray for those so it's the case of if you if we as individuals don't necessarily go out to share the gospel with different people but we know of others who do as and when you feel led to during your prayer time definitely keep them in prayer because it isn't trust me when I say that it it's definitely appreciated and it goes a long way because not only are you praying for them but in essence you're praying for all of those they're going to speak to which might be a lot of people within the space of a week so you've just affected probably a hundred people with just that one prayer when we look at um, verse 5 and 6 I kind of want to focus on again walk in wisdom towards those who are outside redeeming the time let your speech always be with grace seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer one another that again kind of feeds back into the whole ministry stuff it feeds back into the ministry stuff you don't you don't need to be an evangelist or a prophet or a teacher or a pastor or an apostle to speak to people who don't know about Jesus. You don't need to be in that position. Every single one of us on a daily basis speaks to someone who doesn't know Christ as we do. And the Bible tells us to redeem the time. And when it speaks about redeeming the time, it speaks about redeeming those few and rare moments that we are able to speak about Christ. There might be something happening in a sense of you might get the random five minutes with someone in the car and all of a sudden a conversation about spirituality comes up. That is a rare moment that you might never get again. So being wise in that moment and being like, all right, how can I present my faith to this person during this period? Seeing, recognizing a period where you can redeem the time to share your faith living in the manner that as I, as I said before we are the soul of the earth living in the manner that everyone sees you and they're like no there's something strange about this person and having moments where you are able to convey that in speech onto a, on a one-on-one basis in the sense of this is what makes me different this is what triggers me to live in this manner because Jesus continually tells us not to seek after money in the world, not to lay up our treasures in the world. But that's what the world tells us to do. The world kind of tells us to focus on gaining what we can get. There's always a bigger and better thing that comes up, and the world is gearing us towards seeking a bigger and better, seeking more riches, more wealth. But we all know that there's a void that that's not filling, and it's continually... We're just craving more. But for someone to see another person living totally opposite to that, where we rejoice when we're being persecuted, we turn the other cheek when someone insults us, we live as though we're living for another world. We stand out. We look different. And they will be, and that is being the salt of the earth. Salt, again, in terms of us, when I said we, not ever, everyone's going to be famous, when you look at salt, salt is used from, I was going to say homeless people, but homeless people don't have salt. But it's like, 
if a homeless person goes to a chicken and chip shop, more than likely they're going to get a packet of salt and put it into their chips. When you go to a five-star restaurant, there's still salt on the table. Salt is used irrespective of the lifestyle. From the poorest of persons to the richest of people, salt is still used. And it's a case of from the lowest of places in the world, we still need to be the salt of the earth. To the highest of places in the world, we still need to be the salt of the earth there. Light is used. Light is used everywhere in the world. Apart from places like no electricity and stuff like that. But still the sun shines. And it's a case of everyone needs light. Everyone uses salt. There's no discrimination, there's no limitations, there's no segregation. And it's exactly the same with us. And even in that, we need, the, we need wisdom to be able to know when, what times to redeem. What times to, it's like you won't get a milkshake and put salt on it. If you do, that's kind of weird. But it's a case of, I'm using, I'm using a milkshake as an imagery for a certain period of time. A certain period of time when people are just having a laugh it wouldn't necessarily be proper to be like, and Jesus said, it wouldn't be proper. But it's a case of when there's a plate of food that needs salt, be the salt. When there's a situation or scenario that can, that needs Christ, be the salt there. Be the person that puts Christ into that situation. Because that's what we've been called to be. We've been called to do. You are the salt. So if, <clears throat> if the food per se that you're sitting around is, is bland and you're not being the salt, then you're being ineffective. And all of this needs, it needs prayer. It needs being led by the Holy Spirit. As I said, it's, it's the Holy Spirit that works in us. It's the Holy Spirit that guides us, that prompts us, that leads us. Again, Bible tells us, um, those who are led by the, by the Holy Spirit are the sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So be led by the Holy Spirit. If it's a case of you're not entirely sure about it, just go to God and be like, God, I want to be led by you, but I'm not too sure about it. He is, he is all we need. He is his Spirit. So if he wants to lead you by his Spirit, he will show you how, how he's going to lead you. And it will be primarily through his word. Because Jesus says in John, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So it's hearing his voice. And his voice has been laid out in his word. The Holy Spirit will work through the word. There are times when I'm going through situations and I'll read the word. And in as much as it, it's not speaking about, all right, cool, um, John 3.16, you're on your tablet too much, come off. It's not saying that. But it's a case of there's wisdom in the word that I start to realize, all right, you know what? I feel, I feel that this is convicting me as to this area of my life that I need to do something about it. I need to work on it. And then I take it back into prayer and be like, God, this is what I felt in your word that 
you've challenged me on this part of my life. And it's always like a heart issue. It's always a heart issue. It's Christ continually challenged the heart. Christ continually challenged the, our motives behind stuff. He said, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already sinned in your heart. And it's a case of it, it stems from our desires. Out of the abundance of the heart, we speak. What, come, what goes into you doesn't defile you, but what comes out of you that defiles you. Because out of the heart comes robbery, thefts, murders, impure thoughts, impure, impure words. And it's, it, it all generates from the heart. So it is a case of continuing placing our hearts before going and being like, God, please, work on my heart. And the Holy Spirit works directly through his, his word. So in being the challenge for this series was colossal, leaving a legacy. And there's no greater legacy to leave there's no greater legacy to leave than pointing towards something much greater than yourself. So in pain, uh, pointing towards something much greater than yourself, there's nothing more greater than God. And in trying to do that, the primary way in doing that is serving others. That's what Christ came to do, lay down his life for others. And that's what we've been called to do, to lay down our lives for others as well. It may be physically, it may be spiritually, it may be financially, it may be emotionally. There's different ways of laying down your lives. But every single one of us has been called to do that. So it's down to us to look, turn to God and be like, God, how would you have me lay down my life? How would you have me serve others? How would you have me live out this Christian life? So my challenge for everyone would be to take heed to the ministry which you've received from the Lord, that you may fulfill it. So turn to the Lord and ask him how you are to serve and pray for his Holy Spirit to walk you through it.